The views, comments, and opinions of the following program do not necessarily reflect those of Morris Media Studios, MorrisMediaLive.com, or its affiliates. Listener discretion is advised. Blessed day, beloved. It's so good to see all of you with us. So glad you can uh, join us for this special Faith Without Borders uh, broadcast uh, today uh, as we will be looking at a very, very important uh, and significant uh, issue, uh, topic that we're going to be dealing with uh, that affects so many lives uh, in our communities. But before I introduce our, our topic today and the show, let me just start off by saying today, uh, is uh, April the 27th. It is the uh, Independence Day celebration for the land of my birth, the Republic of South Africa. And so uh, I am, of course, filled with joy uh, because as I go back to this day uh, 27 years ago, I could only think of my parents who went to vote for the first time. I was in grad school then in Dayton, Ohio, uh, and I uh, went to Columbus, Ohio to vote and uh, was joined by several uh, of my friends and colleagues and organizers uh, that accompanied me that day uh, on behalf of uh, the many who fought for freedom in South Africa. Uh, and of course, this day, 27 years ago, we elected the first democratically elected president of South Africa, uh, Nelson Mandela. And uh, so uh, it's a, a, a joyous experience. Uh, Angela Davis uh, puts it this way, freedom is a constant struggle. And so in South Africa, we continue uh, to struggle for freedom, you know, uh, as we build that new nation. Uh, and so I want to say to all of my South African sisters and brothers and to all who fought uh, for the liberation of South Africa, we had so many, you know, uh, from the United States, from California, right here from Los Angeles. Uh, who, uh, who did that, and we, uh, we celebrate that. Uh, I want to read you this quote uh, uh, from Nelson Mandela. Uh, I'm going to ask Felicia to put it up there again. Uh, For to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. Uh, certainly powerful, uh, thought-provoking words from uh, the icon. Uh, the father of our nation, South Africa, Nelson Mandela. And those words are true to us even today uh, as we seek to navigate these turbulent uh, and tumultuous uh, time uh, by way of this pandemic called COVID-19. Uh, we all in it together. Let's do whatever it is that we need to do uh, to make sure that we uh, get there. Uh, it's the same with the topic that we're going to be dealing with today. Uh, this week, the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors declared this week as re-entry week. Uh, and so uh, to commemorate that, 
we were able to pull together uh, some warriors and some fighters on the forefront uh, to see how we can restore the dignity and the humanity uh, of sisters and brothers, you know, who've made it beyond, you know, uh, the experience of uh, prison. And so that's what we are going to be uh, dealing with today. Also, uh, as part of that, uh, we want to uh, tackle a very, very important, you know, uh, uh, subject matter. I'll do that in a minute. Uh, as I just show appreciation to our co-sponsors for today, the Martin House, under the leadership of uh, Pastor Joe Hamilton. Uh, also, uh, SCLC, Southern California, CEO and President, Pastor William D. Smart, as well as Community Health Councils, the Social Change Institute there, under the leadership uh, of, uh, of course, uh, Veronica Flores, as well as... Um, Michelle Burton, uh, Dr. Michelle Burton. So we're all here together in it, uh, and uh, we're going to examine, uh, of course, as part of our time to see how we can recognize, organize, and mobilize critical, significant, and sustainable community-based services and systems change uh, around our theme for today, Beyond Mass Incarceration, Reimagination, Restoration, and Abolition. That's what we're going to get into today, and I could not uh, have asked for a better uh, uh, a panel to uh, get into it with me. Uh, they've been on the front lines for so many, many, many years. And so today, uh, I want to start off ladies first uh, with a woman that I have so much respect and love for, and that is none other than Susan Burton. She is an author. Her book, of course, is uh, Becoming, you know, uh, Miss Burton. Uh, fascinating read. And uh, Susan, I have this on my coffee uh, uh, table uh, at home just to let you know that. That book has made it over there. So whoever rolls up in there, they see that book. She's also the founder uh, and the executive director of A New Way of Life, doing extraordinary work. Uh, and is not just a CNN hero, but she's one of my sheroes. Uh, so glad that Susan is able to be here with us. Elder Joe Paul uh, is uh, one who has been on the forefront uh, around this for so many, you know, uh, years. Uh, of course, you know, through, you know, uh, uh, Refuse Church. But also now he's the managing director uh, uh, of uh, uh, Lark, and he'll tell us uh, about, you know, what that uh, uh, regional body is and just uh, uh, extraordinary work that they are doing. And then uh, Pastor Joe Hamilton is with us. He's the executive director, founder and executive director of the Martin House, and uh, looking forward to hearing uh, all that um, uh, that he's doing. I'm privileged to work with all of these individuals. And then, you know, uh, our brother Jay Jordan for Californians for Safety and Justice uh, is not able to make it, but we were able to get one of our other comrades who uh, transition from a community coalition to California for Safety and Justice. Brother Gilbert Johnson will join us later on uh, so we can just get into it. Uh, so, so good to be here today. Uh, glad once again for our co-sponsors. Let's, uh, let's get it on, you know, as Marvin would say. Uh, so welcome, welcome, welcome. Good to see all of you. Uh, and uh, let's, let's start off by just, you know, asking a, a very, very general question. Uh, uh, Susan, I'll start with you. When you hear re-entry week, 
you know, what does that mean for you, you know, as one who's been on the forefront of the re-entry revolution, you know, uh, that uh, continues to sweep, you know, L.A. Uh, city and county, the state of California, and the country. When you hear uh, that uh, the Board of Supervisors declared that, you know, what does that uh, conjure up in your mind? So uh, I'm really happy to see the Board of Supervisors actually um, declare uh, and recognize reentry as calling it reentry week. Uh, but it goes much, much deeper and further than a week for me, uh, Pastor Sauls, and much, much further than a week for this nation. Um, I think of the history of uh, incarceration and the, the history of this nation. And uh, while again, I am uh, 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 grateful and thankful that the Board of Supervisors, you know, acknowledged reentry week, but we have centuries of this um, uh, problem for our communities, for our folks within this nation. So um, uh, uh, I just say that it, 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 we need to focus on this for way more than a week and declare a re-entry, a national concern uh, and problem in this country. Uh, this uh, challenge affects so many of our sisters and brothers. Uh, and it's not just, you know, uh, for me, it's really a trifecta you know, uh, between the policies uh, that are being made, the policing that's being done to enforce those policies, and then, of course, the prison industrial complex. So it's a 3P trifecta for me that adversely affects, you know, the black community. And that is why we wanted to, you know, uh, pull us together, you know, around all of this. Uh, uh, Elder Joe Paul, uh, uh, man, I appreciate you uh, uh, for what you're doing, you know, in this, you know, uh, area you know, uh, when you hear about re-entry week, uh, uh, some initial thoughts uh, from you. Um, I echo what Susan has said off top. And I would just add, you know, we, we, we're at a point in time, you know, over the last, let's just say 15 years, but obviously the struggle has been longer than that. But in the last 15 years, uh, thinking about all of the strides that have been made that seemed impossible at a point in time, like felons sitting on juries again, or parolees having the right to vote reestablished in their lives, or some of the uh, egregious barriers that felony convictions have imposed on people now being removed to some degree with the amount of effort with individuals on this call and, and others um, that are probably watching. And to still be in a place where we have to acknowledge a special designation to address a second-class citizenship is, is still an issue. You know what I mean? We we want to keep our foot on the gas. We appreciate every acknowledgement that dignifies the work that's happened. But, you know, in the words of Nipsey Hussle the Great, the, the marathon still continues. Absolutely. And, and, and again, you know, uh, freedom, the struggle for freedom is constant. And, and, and yes, this struggle certainly continue. And we're going to get into just the uh, extraordinary work that uh, we continue to be a part of here, you know, in, you know, uh, the county of Los Angeles, and, and we'll get uh, to that. Joe, uh, when you hear around, you know, you know, re-entry week, what does that mean for you, 
uh, and and then you can also tell us a little bit about the Martin House uh, and uh, and and our work there, you know, with uh, uh, our brothers uh, as we uh, move forward with the conversation. Joe, thank you, and and I appreciate being uh, on the call with uh, all you guys, the, the the Zoom, and just to sit around those. Les Brown would say, always surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. Uh, and so uh, I know I'm in definite good company today. But when I think about uh, the you know, reentry week, um, I think about it from the standpoint of a, a practitioner who is, is laboring and working, or a liberator, I should say, as we, as we celebrate you know, South, South Africa independence and, um, and Nelson Mandela. Uh, the idea of him as a liberator, I think that we all are in those shoes as well to to help to liberate our our people. But I, I think that this is just the the genesis, right? Because if, if I if I look at it from my standpoint, um, I start thinking about, OK, so what is what is the city? What is the city doing on behalf of reentry in terms of amplifying the voices of those that that need uh, to be heard more, but also from the standpoint of those who are looking for hope, um, individuals who are, who are coming out of incarceration and they're hearing this reentry week, what does that actually mean and speak to them as well? And so I do think that there, this is a genesis. I think that they need to bring, that there needs to be, you know, uh, uh, folks like us, a part of that table to see how we can have additional activities and celebrations, celebrating, um, you know, some of the achievements, but also, you know, it's, it, it will be a time to look at uh, some of the obstacles and oppositions and opportunities that we have uh, so that we can, you know, together mobilize from our different organizations um, and then city agencies and whatnot uh, to be more effective uh, in, in this work to, as Joe Paul said, uh, to raise the level of citizenship from second class to first class. Indeed. Um the Martin House is, uh, is a pretty unique place, and I have the privilege of being uh, involved in the work that's being done there, uh, and I appreciate Joe introducing me to that work uh, several years ago uh, when we were part of a Lenten Tabernacle, you know, and the Martin House became one of our focus, uh, our missional focus uh, mm -hmm. for that. Tell us a little bit, seeing that this is about recognizing, you know, our significant, you know, and impactful programs. Joe, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, the Mart House and just how do we do what we do there as we engage, you know, not just in reentry but in the restoration of the humanity and dignity uh, of our brothers. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. So, so the Martin House was really birthed out of a solution-oriented uh, idea. Uh, it was, it was, you know, I had just sold uh, my business and um, I was standing in the pulpit and looking out and had the, uh, a conversation with the Lord and said, where are our men? And when I did the research, I found that in the inner city, that is, I found that a lot of our men are in either incarceration uh, or, or coming out of incarceration um, or having some issues with substance abuse. And because of my history growing up with my father who was in and out of, out of prison um, and on every drug that I could imagine, um, or that we can imagine, I, you know, the, the answer was for me to go out and find out what could I do to help. That said, uh, California, uh, the, the Supreme Court had just ruled that overcrowding of California prisons was unconstitutional. And so there was a lot of talk about 
you know, the problem, but not so much, I didn't hear so much about the solutions. And so that's when I began to just make a personal investment to see what I could do um, to help men um, who are coming out, men and women, but specifically men for me, uh, coming out of, of prison. And the biggest need that I found was that they needed, they needed housing. They needed, they needed safe housing. They needed, you know, a, a consistent place where they could come in that was clean and safe and, and an environment, right, that was um, conducive to uh, wanting to, to be the best that they could be, not more of the same conversations and attitudes that they were getting, you know, when they were in incarceration. So as uh, doing that, um, my, my background, I'm a psychotherapist, so we do do uh, case management. We have um, a director of counseling who, who, who works with our guys uh, first weekly and then monthly as they are, you know, uh, getting used or, or acclimated to being uh, out. Um, and then um, one of the other challenges I found in, in, in having conversations with Father G, you know, we've got to, in, in terms of being a liberator, we've got to create opportunities for our guys. And so uh, I've gone back and I've become a, a, a licensed contractor because it's expensive to live in Los Angeles. And one of the things that we found, and, and I'm sure Susan can agree with me, you know, you don't want to put somebody out of the house because they have been there so long and they may be working and maybe only making 12, 13, $14 an hour, and they don't have enough to make it on their own. And they still may have some restrictions from parole that they can't, you know, roommate with another, you know, a parolee or whatever. And so really what, what we do is try to give guys employable skills um, so that when they leave, they know that they've, number one, they've had the experience, mm -hmm. they have the education in terms of the skills, and, and then we pay them a wage that they wouldn't get. So our guys start out getting paid $20 an hour. A few years ago, they were getting paid $15 an hour, then they moved to $17.50, now $20. We have uh, one of our guys is getting paid $35 an hour. But one of the things that I found is that when you pay people, and, and we understand that, once you make it to a certain level, income level, it changes the way you perceive yourself. Oliver Wendell Holmes says it this way, a mind stretched by a new idea can never go back to its original dimensions. And so now they know they can get paid $20 an hour. They know they can get paid $35 an hour. And so they begin looking for positions that will pay you know, somewhere around those levels. And so that, I believe that that's a part of the job of the liberator to expand how people see themselves and to <laughs> them when they uh, are having difficulty believing in themselves, but also creating the opportunities uh, for them to grow and to spread their wings. Yeah, and, 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 and again, Martin House is just doing some effective work, uh, and we'll, 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 we'll hear some more about that. I want to bring in, uh, talking about effective work and significant work, a new way of life uh, certainly is uh, such an organization, uh, a birth uh, right out you know, of you know, South Los Angeles, and Susan Burton is one uh, who has done that and, and continues to do it. You know, uh, and, and I've just been glad to, to get to know her, work with her, support her, and just, you know, um, be together in this work of re-entry, uh, restoration. Uh, Susan, uh, I know you work with, with women, and, um, uh, and just the work that you're doing, you know, I never forget the story you tell about, you know, being at that uh, uh, bus stop, whether it is the Greyhound bus stop or at Union, 
you know, a station really uh, looking out for and trying to meet, you know, uh, women who've been released uh, and to just uh, uh, take them from there and accompany them on their restoration. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what a new way of life, you know, what its mission is and the work that it's been able to, uh, uh, to do and accomplish? Yes. Um, so I want to thank, thank Brother Joe and Joe Paul for their, um, for Brother Joe, his, you know, um, uh, personal investment uh, and commitment to making a way for the, um, the guys um, uh, to have a place to, to broaden their mind and to grow and, and, um, and to become the best that they can be. Uh, I just want to thank you so much just listening to you. It was, it was just very um, heartwarming, reassuring, and effective to hear the route and what you're doing. And of course, Joe Paul is heading up the statewide work at uh, the Los Angeles Regional Reentry Partnership and uh, doing great work and has been for quite some time now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, what I want to what I want to say, what I want to talk about is that women, women and the rates of women in incarceration, women being the fastest growing segment of the prison system. And um, a few years back, when I when I wrote my book, Becoming Miss Burton, you know, we couldn't get conversation real serious conversation, investment, or research in women. And I had been been working with women coming home from prisons and jails, meeting them downtown at the at the Greyhound bus station for over 20 years. And I and I I saw the problem uh, I saw the problem up close and personal through my own experience of of stepping off a bus downtown Skid Row, no ID, uh, nowhere to go, no investment in reentry, and having to um, having to try to figure it out and, and and failing over and over and over again. Today I know that the system was was created for that failure and for us to become job security for uh, corrections, uh, for us to continue to uh, give them a reason to blow their budgets up. But now with uh, places like Martin House, with places like A New Way of Life, we are showing, we are, are, are turning the numbers around and showing that with a small investment in us and in our communities and in our people, it can be very, very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, I, um, as much as we spend on incarcerating our, our, our the men and the women and the children, there, no way should there be this disparity in investment on the reentry side. But over and over again, we see this. And then that's why the work that uh, Joe Paul is doing at LARP is so important that we have 
a reentry organized advocacy voice that continues to push uh, to push for uh, the right electeds to be in in the seats, to push for reallocation of dollars, to push and educate our community about voting and those resources coming back to our community. Absolutely, and we all know, uh, uh, Joe Paul, that the 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 focus, you know, um, has to be on prevention, intervention, and then restoration, of course. Uh, and you and I are aware of the fact, you know, uh, that the intervention piece, you know, uh, in this society, you know, uh, that has an addiction uh, to carcerality, you know, uh, that intervention side has been incarceration, right, instead of just rehabilitation, you know, uh, around that as we sought to institutionalize, you know, uh, people instead of humanizing, you know, uh, people. So, uh, uh, with what you are doing at, you know, uh, uh, LAR, but even before you got there. I mean, you were at Shields, you know, uh, uh, and of course the work uh, that came out of, you know, a refuge uh, that you've done there. We've been part, you know, uh, of, of that work. You know, uh, uh, LARP is more than just reentry. I mean, uh, you uh, at LARP basically, you know, take care of that whole spectrum of prevention, intervention, and restoration. Can you say a little bit more about that? Because we know it's not just about programs, right? But it's also about policy. And LARP uh, uh, has positioned itself intentionally right in the midst uh, of all of that, given the convening role that you play, the coordinating role that you play, that you play you know, around these three aspects of prevention, intervention, and restoration. Joe Paul? Yeah, so thank you. And, and first of all, I'm humbled to be in this conversation during this particular week um, and watching the throes of things occur as they are. Uh, I just think back to a period of time um, in the beginning in working with Susan, particularly and, and her teammates, Josh Kim, uh, Dorsey Nunn, a bunch of Linda Evans, Bonya Qualls, uh, just all of these different individuals who have been pioneers in what we call now progressive reform. Um, when I think about the first time I met Joseph Hamilton and his passion towards really creating something that was uh, humane and productive in terms of bringing the best out of people's lives, particularly individuals at that point in time he was working with who were former lifers that really had a a high hill to climb in terms of reintegration and the dignity and the grace that he was bringing to the table. And all of this, this grassroots effort, Susan's description of her experience prior to even formulating a new way of life, Joseph's life experience with his father and what really drove him to be uh, a person that was solution oriented is really what LARP is about. Um, the LA Regional Reentry Partnership is a platform, it's a network of passionate individuals that individually have been doing amazing work. But you know, when you come to the table in a, in a democratic society, it's really the squeaky wheel that gets the oil. And so a lot of times, you know, one individual or a small contingency of individuals addressing issues that are very pertinent and, and probably chronic across other regions 
don't really get the response that they need or you're put into the typical queue of bureaucratic funding sources and things like that that may not necessarily even meet the need that you're addressing, but that's what's available. Um, you know, about 10 years ago, at the inception of what we transformed California into under the Public Safety Realignment Act, uh, LARP emerged. And it was, again, at that point in time, a need to circle the wagons because things were shifting and providers at the community-based level were ultimately going to be ostracized out of the conversation because probation and sheriff's department and other, you know, more formalized institutions of public safety were getting the lion's share of the money. And so uh, a bunch of individuals, Susan Burton, particularly being a part of the original foundation of what made the brain trust of LARP what it is, Pastor Troy Vaughn, Ben Lyman, uh, Peggy Edwards, uh, Mary Weaver, a bunch of people in the beginning, you know, rallying Doug Bond and, and Mark Fawcett, Michael Gravison, just a bunch of people Veronica Lewis, I could just go down the list, who are now real frontline champions in the work and their respective, you know, points of views, recognize that we can do more together. And from that, you know, hodgepodge or motley crew of individuals coming together saying enough is enough, you know, over this 10 years, we've emerged into, you know, organization that sits at the table with Governor Newsom. We sit at the table with, you know, formerly Senator Kamala Harris, who's now vice presidential candidate, vice president of the U.S., uh, and countless other uh, bills that have passed since that point in time that gives us this new horizon we're looking at. You know, we're at the point now, and I can't wait for Gilbert to come on and talk about SB 731, which we feel is a milestone in the efforts that why do we have the second class citizenship in a country that was formulated off of second chances? Why do we still have you know, caveats within our constitutional governance that says that, you know, emancipated slavery is legitimate, except if you're incarcerated, mm -hmm. you know, and now we're moving at the level where we really can trust one another. We really can believe in the integrity of people's intention. And I believe the best is yet to come, mm -hmm. you know, last week, for instance, that verdict, that created a level of accountability on a global scale that, you know, there are sanctions to police actions that, you know, we have to provide people their day in court and that that day in court should be just and fair. And if you violate that, you're not immune to criminal penalty. Mm -hmm. And now it's on us to continue to mobilize and continue to push the line that to the populations that were shared, whether it's the groups that uh, utilize Joseph Hamilton's uh, residential program or whether it's the groups that use Susan Burton's and the women that are touched uh, so frequently by her work that we all have to really mobilize and come together uh, and keep, the, keep our foot on the gas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was Angela Davis that, you know, uh, uh, really, you know, made a point many, many years ago of you know, how can we have a society without prisons? You know, uh, so we, we cannot, you know, uh, move away from this whole invitation to abolition, which is so important given the root causes, you know, around uh, how this is impacting and affecting, you know, uh, everyone, you know, uh, but especially, you know, uh, 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 black indigenous uh, people of color, you know, uh, around that. Um, 
you know, and 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 then you know Michelle Alexander came along, you know, uh, with talking about you know uh, this whole piece about race control and the new Jim Crow, and then Ava DuVernay followed that uh, with Thirteenth, you know, uh, so so just some powerful analysis around the system that's been put in place, you know, of incarceration, of marginalization, and uh, and Isabel Wilkinson in her you know, new book Cass basically picks up where Michelle leaves off and saying that, yeah, the goal is to create, you know, this caste, you know, uh, of folk uh, who, who, who've been deprived of their rights, you know, uh, uh, and, and whose humanity has been scarred in so many, in so many ways. And there's got to be, uh, has to be a better way, you know, as we balance accountability, you know, with humanity. You know, uh, it's not an either or, it can be a both and. That's what restorative justice, you know, is is all about. Uh, I want to stick with you, uh, Joe Paul, because I know um, that we have been, you know, working together around just how can we, you know, start somewhere and and, and, and make a, 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 a huge impact. And so uh, it was all about, you know, the... Uh, the juvenile justice system, and how do we, you know, uh, uh, as a country, you know, uh, just continue to be, to have a punitive response to the mistakes that our young people make, and and what happened to youth development, right? Uh, And then the Alternatives to Incarceration, you know, team came forward, and that was a collaboration between philanthropy, right, the California Endowment, um, the Board of Supervisors, government, you know, uh, Supervisor, then Supervisor Mark Shirley Thomas, you know, uh, and, you know, uh, organizations, you know, uh, such as LARP and Community Coalition, uh, as well as, you know, um, uh, um, uh, several other coalitions. Uh, and now we're at this place of really engaging in some serious systems change work and policy work uh, that's long overdue and that's kicked in around. So, Joe Paul, can you? you know, give us just a sense, just for those who don't even know what the Alternatives to Incarceration, that whole journey was all about, uh, that has now, of course, uh, moved into uh, an implementation phase through Measure J, you know. uh, So can you just give us a sense, you know, of where that work is uh, and how we can continue to make this push of bridging, you know, uh, significant programs on the one hand, you know, with you know, a strategic policy uh, that can actually move us, you know, uh, towards, you know, true, you know, restoration. Yeah. So, you know, L.A. County is very interesting because it's it's one of the most condensed, large populated counties in the whole country. And based on, you know, that dynamic, as far as 10 million people in one county, and all the varying demographics and ethnicities and socioeconomic groups that make that, that body of people up, there's always gonna be a um, difference of opinion. But regarding the Alternatives to Incarceration Initiative and, and, and the groups that formulated it from the institutions to the philanthropy with Dr. Bob Ross being so uh, involved in the work. And then as you mentioned, multiple coalitions of individuals uh, engaging their voice. Um, was it perfect? No. Uh, but the fact that, you know, a true democratic process to the best of 
the circumstances considering how things had normally been with, you know, public safety institutions like probation and the sheriff's department and the DA's office even having so much control and uh, finality to how funds were distributed out or not and no transparency in any of those interactions. Uh, the Alternatives to Incarceration Initiative uh, was a huge step in the direction of, you know, community having a more sound voice, particularly the experts that were in the room um, addressing the concerns that we had uh, regarding the issues that made up, you know, criminal justice and public safety, um, up to and including the faith-based community being at the table. And as a result of all of those um, recommendations that came out of the report that was finally issued uh, from those multiple, almost year and a half convenings, we're now at the point we're looking at, you know, there's a whole measure that's been instituted to, you know, implement or at least uh, actualize those thoughts. And again, it's, it's still a check and balance trial and error process trying to come to terms with exactly how it works. But overall, the fact that the community has a voice, uh, the fact that there's so many uh, adjunct issues that are spilling out of the Measure J, uh, initiative now in terms of the funding that's going to be allocated. Uh, the jail closure, uh, the Men's Central Jail closure and the discussions around that. Um, all of these are efforts that have spawned out of the, the direct effort of community-based organizations and leadership that's been at the table, you know, working offline with their board of supervisors and other elected officials statewide to say enough is enough and being able to offset the experience with true data and results that reflect what the alternatives could possibly look like. I think, you know, like Susan talked about it in terms of her organization and how effectively they're able to transition women into more stable lifestyles and have a non-traumatizing effect along the journey of accomplishing that. Uh, what Joseph is doing in dignifying individuals that have served, you know, decades in prison and empowering them with the skills that they have, not by going after, you know, more grant money per se, but, you know, creating initiatives of their own that actually support and then can be seeded by uh, external money. So I hope that with the examples that are set, uh, with the framework that Measure J is lining up, that, you know, it does leave room for individuals who are innovative, that have real solutions to problems, that you know, we don't allow for the politicizing of what we're doing to affect or infect the outcomes that are so necessary for changing people's lives. I mean, um, COVID uh, has done one thing for sure, it's changed the world. Uh, where we fought so hard as an example to reduce the populations, even by legislation like AB 109, uh, COVID did in 90 days. You know, now the state prison level is less than 100,000. Uh, the county jail level reduced itself, our LA county jail reduced itself from 17,000 daily average to less than 12. And that's with individuals who were pending state prison um, departure. And so how do we keep our foot on the gas with that? We keep our foot on the gas by holding accountable those individuals who are monitoring those proceeds that are gonna be generated from Measure J, uh, hearing the voice of people like who are on this call right now and really empowering others 
that may not have necessarily been active, you know, community-based people or criminal justice reformers to now see that there is something afoot. And that's not just black people, that's not just brown people, that's all people who have a sense of what humanity should look like. And I think to me, that's what true democracy is. And I think, you know, all of these things have created space for that. Uh, you know, one individual that has worked hard around this, you know, uh, Joe Paul, you and I know, you know, uh, is Gilbert Johnson, you know, who uh, worked, oh, yes, uh, uh, who worked, you know, just so, you know, uh, um, I mean, he was just committed. He was on the forefront. Uh, he led, uh, you know, uh, this work at Community Coalition, uh, was part of the Justice LA Coalition. And uh, now he is with uh, Californians for Safety and Justice. And he's able to join us, um, um, you know, right now. So I want to bring him in just to continue, Joe, where you left off, you know, just around the work of systemic change, you know, uh, uh, you know, where it was fighting uh, not for a jail to be built. You know, that was a, a, a tremendous win, you know, for us here in uh, Los Angeles County and see how we can redirect, you know, those resources to be for prevention, to be for rehabilitation and intervention and restoration. Uh, and so I want to just give Gilbert an opportunity, then I'm going to circle back, you know, uh, to, uh, uh, to Susan and, uh, uh, and Joe. But I want to just ask Gilbert just to tell us a little bit about the work that he's done while at COCO. And he has already, you know, uh, had an impact while at uh, California's for Safety and Justice. So Gilbert, thanks for joining uh, us. I know you, you, you're running in between you know, uh, a lot of meetings, but glad you could be here to kind of just, you know, uh, represent and uh, and just uh, give your uh, thoughts and insights on this. Gilbert, welcome. Hey, no doubt, no doubt, man of faith. Uh, just want to always open up with gratitude. So thank you, Pastor Sauls, for allowing me space uh, amongst these amazing justice leaders. You know, Joe Paul, you already know, bro, Susan Burton, we've been in the trenches doing a lot of work and nice to meet you, uh, Brother Joseph. Um, and yeah, yeah, you know, that's the nature of the beast. We always have 20 million things going, but we got to make make time for what matters. And you already know, Brother Sauls, we go back. I got your back. I know you got mine. And so, um, man, it's been a ride. It's been a ride, you know I mean, from from the uh, check the sh in, no the sheriffs to end the coalition to end sheriff's violence, which Patrice Colors started um, when I first got to Coco, and just to see um, that work and how it transformed to where we now have, uh, you know, the civilian oversight commission for the sheriff's department, how that really transformed into the Justice LA coalition, which was made up of of powerful. Uh, leaders in the criminal justice reform uh, field, you know, uh, the Dignity and Power and Nows, the, the, the COCOs at one point, ACLU, so many organizations coming together to build that collaborative muscle. Um, that's how we've gotten as far as we've gotten um, here in, in LA County. And, and it's always uh, one point I always like to lead, lift is that what we do here kind of trailblazes other areas. So now that I'm with California for Safety and Justice and doing statewide work, I just found out that in Fresno, they're doing work to uh, shut down a jail expansion plan. And, you know, Sacramento has the Sacramento Black Wall Street. And I'm learning about other organizing efforts and how a lot of people have, you know, L.A., 
in the spotlight. So LA County um, really does set the tone and set precedence for uh, the rest of the state and, and the rest of the country in many ways. And so um, just, you know, making sure that we are elevating the voices of our people, people that are most proximate to the issues, uh, to the issue of mass incarceration, to the issue of over-incarceration, the over-reliance over of law enforcement and, and probation and parole, rather than the um, strategic investments that our communities really need that focus on anti-poverty and you know tearing down poverty, addressing the crime and violence, uh, through community-driven efforts, um, community public safety efforts, uh, that work, I've been in, engaged in a lot of that work. You know about the, the South LA Community Safety Initiative where we were doing um, emotional emancipation circles in every hood across uh, uh, South Central. And, you know, we showed that we were actually able to reduce crime by hiring our people that are system impacted, formerly incarcerated, former gang members. Some are even still gang members, but they're, you know, still finding a way to connect with their community and help folks see the bigger picture, help folks understand organizing, social justice, racial justice, equity, everything that we talk about now. Um, but it's just been decades of organizing that got us to this moment. And so, um, so much work, you know, so much work, so many people stepping out of their comfort zones and um, going to the hearings, going to the, the town halls, canvassing, phone banking, like all of that deep organizing work uh, really has us in this moment where now we're, we're, we're working to shut down Men's Central Jail. You know, the Board of Soups just approved 117 million to get that process going alternatives to incarceration, how that led to Measure J, which I heard Brother Joe Paul um, mentioning. So I won't beat that drum, but you know, just, just last week, uh, Supervisor Solis and, and Holly Mitchell put forth a motion to support our uh, uh, legislation, our, and I say our, cause uh, LARP is a co-sponsor, New Way of Life is a co-sponsor, Homeboy, ARC, but our current legislation will actually completely clean and seal old conviction records, old rap sheets for folks, uh, millions of people across the state. And so this is as if like they never committed a crime. Just think Joe Paul, myself, Susan, when we pass sunsets or Senate Bill 731, we will no longer have anything on our background record. And it's just a true game changer. You know, it's never been done, it's historic and, and a lot of people are gonna benefit um, from that because it's retroactive and so, I just wanted to put put that context out there. You know how we got to this moment is through the power of the people, the collective will and collective values, shared values of our people, and the community coalitions, the new way of life, the LARPs, the folks that are doing the day to day needed work to make sure that our people are at the forefront of this movement and, and of this justice reform movement. So I don't know if it's anything yes. else. I nope. We working on a bunch of bills with CSJ, so I can give high level, you know, kind of uh, uh, points around those. But uh, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Thanks, man. It was so important, you know, for us at community health councils. You know, uh, we work very hard to to bridge, you know, programs with policy because we all know it is in the end about systems change, and that's why it's just so great to see, you know, uh, Martin House, you know, New Old Life. You know, the leadership of those organizations connecting with LARP and then connecting with, you know, uh, uh, CSJ, 
you know, to see how can we, you know, uh, facilitate systems change. Because in the end, it, and, and part of it is to, to, to work with folk, you know, uh, who are in proximity of the pain, uh, such as, you know, uh, a Susan Burton in the work uh, that we're doing. And Susan, you and I know in South Los Angeles, the strategy has been, continues to be, you know, uh, all about, you know, uh, the drivers of disparity, which on the one hand is about under-resourcing a community, and on the other hand, it's about over-policing, you know, uh, a community. And through that, making sure that we have beds in the heads, uh, 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 no, I mean heads in the beds uh, of our prisons, you know, and our and our jails, uh, and yes. just the breakdown and the destruction that takes place around that. So, Susan, you know, uh, given, you know, the work that you've been doing, you know, from programs to policy, you know, any other thoughts you have uh, in terms of how do we look at more solutions-driven programs and policies uh, as we continue, you know, uh, to move towards beloved community? So, uh, Pastor Sauls, because of, I believe, the great writings and also the uh, videos uh, that have surfaced, um, when I say writings like Michelle Alexander, uh, Angela Davis, Ruthie Wilson Gilmore. Uh, just I could go on and on and on. There's a, a new book called Halfway Home that describes the struggle of people re-entering. But and and then I must put in becoming Miss Burton because my goal there was to bring women into the conversation. But because of that, I think our whole nation is a bit more woke. And the um, the the propaganda of the 60s, 70s, 80s that came in after the civil rights movement, you know, has has um, uh, uh, been 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 broken apart some. Uh, but you know, during the pandemic, as Joe Paul mentioned our numbers uh, around incarceration locally in our county jails did go down. But what I want to alert our, our community that now they're going back up, mm-hmm. you know, and we have to, and, and they went down without a rise in crime. They went down with com- the community meeting our folks' needs and bringing them in and keeping them safe. Uh, and, and we and we must continue to to stand up and rise up and 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 demand this shift in resources on many many levels. So I'm a great uh, 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 advocate for community taking care of community. That does not mean government taking care of community because they come in at all levels with tactics of suppression. So when you look at probation and parole and what they actually really do for the folks that are coming back into the community is next to nothing. And I keep questioning it. Why do we have these um, suppressors and these overseers and these people that uh, uh, don't add any value 
to the lives of, of folks that are coming home, but they have this uh, oppression and suppression tactic. So I'm like, you know, give us our life back. Mm-hmm. Uh, do away with parole and probation. Give us those resources that we can better usher people into the community, support them to have dignity, support them to live by principles, support them to be their best selves and invest in our communities. You know, Pastor Saul, I look over the years, every year we take our residents on trips, be it to Sacramento, be it to uh, Palm Springs, be it to New York, and they have to go to their parole officer and get this thing they call a traveling pass. And I'm like, that's what we did during slavery. Mm-hmm. And then the traveling pass says, keep this on you at all times. And I, I just get furious. You know, why do they need a traveling pass in the 21st century? But, but uh, what I just want to say is that we must continue to um, pray into action, walk into action, stand next and with our brothers and sisters, press back on oppression. Um, and, and, and I wanna shout out to Legal Services for Prisoners with Children. They have uh, 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 some legislation uh, that they're uh, that they're uh, introducing in our legislature, in our state legislature, to end involuntary servitude, and I'm all the way I'm all the way with that because Pastor Sauls, when I reflect back, and it's painful to say this, mm. there is not a generation in my family who has not worked as a slave in this country. That's including me, the generation after me, because of the laws of involuntary servitude. Uh, And so, you know, it's just not over. And when I say that it, it, it pains me and it hurts really, really deeply to say that, but it's the reality of what happened to me and my labor after a policeman killed my son Mm. and I used drugs to cope with the grief. I was imprisoned and I was made to work and my my, my labor was exploited by the Department of Corrections. Hmm. Hmm. So 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 I don't know if all that made sense because I kind of yeah. went all over the place. No. But you know, give us our community back, give us our people back in parole, probation, and stop thinking that the state or the 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 the, the, the government can deliver what we need because what we need is for them to get up off our neck and give us our freedom. My Lord, look, Susan, you you all, all 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 over the place connecting the dots, you know, for us that 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 we we cannot be, you know, numb to and silent to the fact that, 
you know, this is a system of dehumanization and discrimination which results in exploitation. And, and that exploitation in the end, you know, uh, really destroys, you know, uh, families and, uh, and disrupts, you know, uh, communities in, 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 in so many ways. That's why, you know, uh, I just love SCLC and, and, and that co-sponsorship because, you know, uh, they are carrying on the legacy of Dr. King, which was all about, you know, a beloved community characterized, you know, uh, by, by racial justice. Uh, as well as, you know, uh, 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 equitable systems in what it is that we are, you know, uh, called to do. So, so, uh, so thank you for that. And, and again, uh, you are just an example around, you know, the power of proximity and lived experience, you know, as we work on, you know, these, uh, the legislative pieces, you know, uh, and all that's before us. Uh, before we lose, you know, uh, Gilbert, uh, uh, Gilbert, can you just, uh, uh, I know uh, we, we just, you know, moved on time done. You know, you may want to say a little bit about that, but just quickly, you know, give us before we lose you, you know, to your next, you know, meeting, just uh, some of the other, you know, uh, legislative pieces that we are looking at, whether it's in the county of Los Angeles uh, or the state of California and, you know, even nationally, but at least, you know, uh, those two, you know, areas, county and state. All right. All right. So um, I'll start at the state level because that's that's where I'm focused. Uh, a lot of my work is focused now. So uh, as you probably know, Californians for Safety and Justice is made up of kind of two arms. So you have Time Done, which is really working on Senate Bill 731, also known as Sunsets. So I talked a little bit about that. Um, there's a, a sister bill with that AB 1308 that we're currently working on, which will make sunsets retroactive. So if if anybody has gone through the process, like with Prop 47, I was able to reduce one of my felonies to a misdemeanor and then get it expunged, which expungement really doesn't do anything because it still shows up on your record. And that's one of the uh, distinguishing uh, characteristics of our current sunset bill, because uh, the bill will only be able to be opened up if you, as of right now, we're going to stick to it because, you know, carve outs happen and bills get weakened, but we're pushing a hard line to keep our bottom lines there in the bill and keep the bill as strong as possible. But um, if you apply to be law enforcement or if you want to be a police officer, then they can reopen your bill, open your, your rap sheet and look at your um, old convictions. But literally, like any other sector of work, um, you know, it, it won't show up. Your old records won't show up once your uh, uh, background is cleaned and sealed. And so this also extends to folks with violent um, prior. So that's another key element to the bill, because there's a lot of conversation like Prop 47 focused on low level nonviolent crimes, right? Non, non, nines. But you can literally have a body on your background. And if you've completed your sentence, if you've paid your debts, your fines and fees and all of that stuff, and there's a two year um, kind of like phase out period in that four to five year uh, uh, period, then you will automatically qualify to get your record completely cleaned and sealed. And the 1308 piece makes it where you don't have to go and fill out a bunch of paperwork like what I was alluding to with Prop 47, where I sent in, filled out this whole form. Something was wrong on it, a little tweak on it. They sent it back 
and I had to go back and do it all over again. Then I had to go to this floor, get an affidavit, go back down here, submit it. And so all that going through the hoops to get your record clean, 1308 will make it retroactive and actually place it on the state. So the state will have to make that um, happen. So it's huge. It's huge in, mm-hmm. in, in so many ways. Uh, and then so that's that sunsets. And then just to talk like our other larger bill on the Calif- crime survivors for safety and justice side, which is CSSJ, the other arm of CSJ. Um, it's Senate Bill 299, which is uh, it's a bill from uh, Senator Connie Leva. And basically it removes barriers um, faced by victims of police violence um, and other violent crimes in, in you know, California. So right now, if the police shoot someone, um, their family is basically left to fend for their own if you know about victims of crime or, mm-hmm. or crime survivors, victim services, victims compensation, um, if there's a, a community violence, if there's say there's a drive by and somebody gets killed, then that family, the family of the person who, who got killed is actually uh, can access um, victim services. So like trauma services, even financial resources. And it's a whole lot of work that needs to be done in that because even they have barriers. Like if you have a background, you can't access those services. And that's a whole nother beast. But right now with police violence, um, folks that have been impacted by police violence will have access to the same services Mm -hmm. and to the same resources that are highly critical in any death. Right. But when it's state sanctioned violence, right, the people that are supposed to be protecting and serving serving us with LAPD is killed. Oh, man, it's crazy. Just since the beginning of the year, we're in like 30, the 30 number, 40 Mm -hmm. number. And that's Mm -hmm. increasing. So that is so important to to also extend those services and that help and assistance to people that have been impacted by police violence. So that's uh, SB 299. And then I talked about SB um, uh, 731. I mean, there's a couple other ones. There's a bill around bail. There's a bill around um, bereavement. So, you know, where where, uh, AB 95, it protects workers' rights to take unpaid bereavement and, and, you know, which is also beneficial. But those are like the two high level bills that we're working on right now. That's that, that that's that's excellent. Uh, 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 we want to lift up SB two ninety nine, SB seven three one, AB one three eight zero, and AB ninety five. And I know we'll get some more, you know, uh, as we look at how do we bridge uh, programs and policy so that we can, you know, uh, get to the reclamation of lives by way of systemic transformation. That's so key, uh, and that's uh, of course one of the goals of this you know, uh, re-entry week, you know, for us. Gilbert, thanks for joining us. I know you have to roll, uh, but glad you could able to uh, to, to tap in and, and be part of this conversation. I want to bring in, you know, uh, Pastor Joe, because you and I know that one of the key pieces, um, and we talked about this whole, you know, uh, involuntary, you know, uh, servanthood that takes place in, you know, uh, the prison system, uh, that, you know, uh, for guys and also for women, you know, uh, it's all about, you know, uh, how do we make sure that folk have a, uh, a legitimate source of income, right, uh, as uh, they're coming up, because they're coming out without an ID. You have to almost have to reestablish yourself, uh, really at all levels, including, including re- relational, 
you know, with uh, family and friends and community, right? Uh, and I know the Martin House really zooms in as part of the programming there around uh, how to, you know, move folk, you know, into, you know, uh, developing skills that can then turn into careers, you know, for them. Uh, 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 Pastor Joe Hamilton, say a little bit about that aspect of the Martin House just as, again, another solution uh, that, um, that we're working on over there around uh, restoration. Okay. I don't know whether what I'm unmuted now. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let me let me just take a moment to give a sociological context uh, for uh, the work that we uh, are, are are doing with with our men and and attempting to do even greater things than than what we're doing. You know, Jay 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 Jordan and I were in uh, Oklahoma a week and a half ago, and we were we were just talking about the work, and and he asked the question, and he always asks this question: Do you believe that? humans should be behind bars? And that's, a, that's an interesting question that most people will fail to, to, to answer because, uh, you know, when, when you actually think about it, and, and we know from research that when what you hear about yourself and how people treat you and, and the lack of dignity impacts your perspectives, which then translates to uh, uh, self-efficacy, what you actually believe that you are capable of. In, in the Planet of the Apes, there's a, there's a scene where Caesar, who is the lead uh, uh, ape, and, and he, he's, he's with his owner and they're walking and he has him on a leash. And the, Caesar looks over and sees a dog on a leash. And it changes, literally, you can see the change in his perspective about not only himself, but also his perspective in those um, that are supposed to be there to help them, which is the case of, you know, we know that the system impacted people. And, and so um, we have to, you know, recognize the power of our narrative, that our stories, everybody has a story to tell. The question is, is, you know, do we feel like our story is valuable and, and, and do we speak it not only loud enough, but uh, quantitatively enough? Do we tell it enough? And, and so I think that that's what we have to do. But, you know, in terms of the, the, the work that we're doing with our men is first is, you know, just giving them, as Joe Paul alluded to earlier and, 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 and even Susan, giving people the sense of dignity, recognizing that their life, mat- they actually matter as a person, regardless of what they can bring to the table at this point, because it's really not, you know, where, where you start, is, is how, you, how you end up. And so we all have to start somewhere and recognizing, letting people know that they're caring about, giving them a sense of dignity, but also a sense of value. Um, there, there's a saying that um, I think it's Goethe, he's an old philosopher, he says, if you, if you treat a person uh, the way they are, they will only get worse. But if you treat them as they should be, they will become what they can be. And that's what our, our uh, objective is uh, with, with our men to, to raise them up, to see themselves uh, in, a, in a better light than they did before, to see themselves more capable and more able. Um, and, and um, you know, so that means that we have to, I talked about earlier, create those opportunities. So right now we're working in, uh, with construction 
but I'm also working right now to see about doing some, we were invited to, to do some things with Amazon. So because not everybody can do construction. Uh, so we want to, you know, really create opportunities. And, and I would hope um, that uh, out of this conversation, this broad conversation, that, you know, all of us here on, on, this, uh, on this Zoom uh, meeting uh, will come again and convene again and begin to have some more specific uh, dialogue with inviting others so that we can begin to strengthen um, this alliance of, you know, not only uh, people who are helping to impact policy, but us uh, on the grassroots that are helping people, um, you know, on the streets. Absolutely. Thanks for that. I want to uh, let you guys know we've had several uh, great shout outs, you know, on Facebook. Uh, our brother and colleague and comrade, uh, uh, Jose Osuna, uh, you all know Jose, uh, is giving us some shout outs and he says we ought not to forget uh, that uh, support of housing is, uh, is very, very, you know, uh, important. Uh, uh, we also have folk uh, joining us from Vintuk, Namibia. Uh, from uh, uh, Cornerstone Tabernacle Church there, the, restore, the restorative work that they're doing, you know, uh, over there, Pastors uh, Jeff, uh, um, um, uh, uh, the Pintos, you know, uh, that, um, uh, that's there. So thank you uh, for joining uh, and being part of the conversation. Of course, our folk out of South Africa, Beloved Community Coalition, the work uh, that's going on there uh, with, you know, system-impacted individuals and how to make sure that uh, true uh, restoration is, you know, uh, is going on. And I know that, you know, uh, Hamilton, you know, um, uh, I mean, uh, Martin House, you know, uh, and, you know, uh, A New Way of Life, you know, uh, we are, you know, are connecting internationally because this is a, a global challenge around uh, incarceration. And I know it's, uh, it's very challenging uh, in South Africa. Uh, as well. Uh, as we, you know, move to a uh, 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 conclusion, Susan, you know, you kicked us off by saying, hey, this is not just about uh, re-entry week. It's about how do we commit our lives, you know, to the work of re-entry and the work of restoration. Um, uh, share with us just some, uh, some final thoughts. I'll start with Susan and then uh, I'll go to uh, Pastor Joe Hamilton, and then I'll uh, come back to Elder Joe Paul. You know, just some final thoughts. You know, as we look at, you know, uh, uh, how do we move beyond incarceration? How do we, you know, engage in reimagination? Uh, how do we engage in restoration and even abolition? You know, uh, uh, as we, it doesn't mean that we don't hold people accountable, uh, but you know, uh, it doesn't uh, mean that accountability has to result uh, in, you know, uh, robbing people of their humanity and their dignity. So, Susan, uh, you want to share some final thoughts uh, as we, you know, um, continue our work together? Yeah, Pastor Sauls, uh, thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, in 1998, I left treatment after serving six prison sentences for substance use. Um, and I worked a minimum wage job and saved up enough money to get a little bungalow in Watts and start a new way of life reentry project. With that little investment in our uh, in what was a desert for reentry in 1998, you know, we've grown to over 
10 homes across um, LA County. And we began to train people nationally and internationally. And so I'm thinking about what a small investment can do in the transformation of communities and families. Through a new way of life, we've served over 1,400 women. We've mentored over um, 18 organizations uh, in the U.S., one in Kenya and one in uh, Uganda to replicate to replicate our model, which has a 4% recidivism rate. So I want to go back to what I originally started with, what a small investment can do in the transformation of people, communities, uh, and, and, and the whole idea about, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, reimagining what can happen. You know, I think we should need to have homes for men and women all across this nation, you know, all across this nation. And, uh, and I'm, I'm committed to do it. I'm a little old now, <laughs> but I still got a little kick in me. So, you know, we are holding trainings and we just want to train up everybody and support them to uh, usher our folks back home, uh, push the money out of probation and parole, um, stand our people up with dignity because, you know, um, uh, uh, that, that um, um, suppression and oppression and subjecting our folks to all the reporting and requirements and um, traveling passes. And I mean, that's BS, excuse me, but that's BS. Mm -hmm. So we want to reclaim our communities and, uh, and stand up and uh, become whole again, you know, become, get the, get the uh, colonizers or what they say in Wakanda, get the colonizer <laughs> out of our community. <laughs> All right, now you're adding a new word there, Susan. Reclamation. <laughs> we, we're gonna we're gonna take reclamation and add it too. You, you you got three preachers on here. You know we we pick up on this stuff. So thank you. Uh, uh, All right, Pastor uh, Pastor Joe uh, Hamilton. Uh, your final thoughts? There we go. Uh, thank you. And thank you, Susan, for your vision for a new way of life and, and not only a new way of life, but even uh, uh, those those uh, organizations that you mentor. Um, I do believe um, and I see, you know, I, you know, normally I, I do training and, you know, Pastor Saul, I work with a lot of different uh, companies uh, to build uh, capacity uh, throughout the nation. And one of the things when, when I'm talking to leaders is, is, you know, I always need to ask them a question. What is your vision? What is your vision for your organization? What's your vision for your agency? And I, I believe that that's important because, you know, humans, we're, we're goal oriented. We need to have a target that we're aiming at in, in order to go in a productive uh, uh, direction. And, and so um, one of, one of the, the, the things that uh, research has shown is that the more support people have, the more successful they are. It, it doesn't matter whether it's in business or education or uh, athletics. The more support people have, 
the better off they are. And so it's it's no mistake that there are over 40 some thousand policies uh, that that, you know, restrict and take away support of those that are formerly incarcerated because they know the more support they get, the more successful they're going to be. And the less they get, the less successful. So, you know, I believe that we have to uh, begin to speak our narrative. We have to begin to, you know, uh, articulate the, the research um, in diplomatic ways so that people can become empathetic to, to the populations that we serve and, and to continue to mobilize to support, to support people. There are people, uh, we know that uh, the county jail is the largest mental health facility in California. There are people who need to have uh, uh, mental health services um, instead of incarceration. And so um, we need to deal with the abuse and the uh, trauma, the trauma that people have experienced. Um, and as, as Susan said, I'm, I'm also committed. Um, I believe I'm a young man, but I'm, I'm midway there. Uh, and, and for Joe Paul, uh, when we first met, I knew this brother was committed. And, and I, I, I've always loved uh, the fact that he, he does his best to lift others around him. Uh, to, and, and so, uh, and then you, Pastor Sauls, you know, we connected years ago and we kept seeing each other in these civic meetings and different things. And finally we connected, uh, but we have had this, uh, this kinship um, and, and this alignment in philosophy in terms of the liberation of our people. And so uh, I just look forward to uh, us continuing to have these discussions and I, and I just want to say that when we look at in the 60s, the civil rights movement, there was a lot of discussion uh, that was happening. And, and what, I, what you find is, is that when we stop talking about it, our movement stops. Mm -hmm. And so we have to continue our discussions uh, about uh, uh, the reform that needs to happen, continue our discussions about uh, and, and imagining, reimagining new ways to support people instead of incarcerating them uh, so that they can be, give them a chance to have a, a hand up um, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, to push them back and then to take resources from them. So I'm just looking forward to the ongoing dialogue and the work. Um, and, and the last thing I'll say is, is that, you know, just having this conversation with you guys, I, I love it because there is such a sense of humility. Jay Paul talked about it earlier, but there is such a sense of humility and authentic and genuine concern uh, for people. And that uh, I, I love, but ultimately the God I serve, uh, he, he says, Jesus, he says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And I believe that when we begin to love people the way that Christ loved us, uh, we can change this city, this state, nation, and world. Mm -hmm. Well said, well said. Um, uh, Joe Paul, any, any, any thoughts uh, that, uh, that, that you have? Yeah, um, first of all, thank you uh, for the opportunity to contribute to the conversation today. Um, faith speaks what it believes. Mm. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. I, I, I've watched... And I must, you know, just take one pause and say thank you, Susan Burden, for embracing me from day one. When I was new to the game and just had a passion that things didn't have to look the way it looked, and 
just wanted to register people to vote who were in jail. Susan and her team were one of the first groups that got behind me and, and really believed in that work. And, and then Dorsey Nunn, who she mentioned earlier. Um, and now, all these years later, 15 years later, we're looking at all these bills that have passed that were just things that we imagined at that time. You know, voter rights being established. Again, felons being able to sit on juries. Uh, marijuana now legalized, where we're not criminalizing people for the most smallest things. Um, you know, three strikes being addressed in terms of people being to come home uh, who had nonviolent sentences. Um, and now looking at ACA3, looking at this, this involuntary servitude issue written into our constitution that justified a continuation of, of servitude. Um, in, other, in other words, uh, slavery. And I think Susan's point was so well taken about this traveling past and the control and just the dehumanizing sense of a grown person having to report to somebody else who really doesn't have the interest in really helping them. It's just control. Um, I leave everyone with this thought. With all of those things I just said <clears throat> and the work that we've established in, you know, demonstrating our power at the polls, now we move past the conversation of simply reentry as an intervention and we move to the idea of healthy communities. Mm -hmm. we move to a position of thinking about all the contributing factors that consistently limit people's ability to mobilize and create in community. And so uh, healthy communities to me is looking at certain vital signs that represent the ability for a person to sustain their life, you know, pay bills, have adequate health care, have access to education, buy a home, create generational wealth. Like these things we have an opportunity to build on now moving past this, this give us a little bit, sir, give us a little bit, ma'am, to Susan's point about systems. And now moving to really what the United States of America was built off of, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mm -hmm. And I think looking at the capacity of building these healthy communities is a, is a real reality before us. There's so many pieces of evidence that we need to work off of. You know, there's frameworks that teach us the elements that give us the clues on if we stabilize in this area, if we deal with the criminogenic needs, if we deal with the protective factors that we know lead to neglect or abuse within homes, if we deal with the social determinants of health, if we deal with these models that already exist and start really applying ourselves around it and have the adequate support financially and otherwise, we can transform our communities to where reentry is not even a conversation anymore. And to me, that would be the greatest form of abolition, right? Not just closing the jails, but eliminating the spirit that led to where we are. And so I'm just grateful for this conversation. I pray that something was said and, and it's, you know, planted in the minds of and hearts of the people we're listening that we build up of as a community. And so uh, just grateful to be a part of the conversation today. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. To uh, Elder Joe Paul, who is the managing director of the Los Angeles Regional Reentry Partnership, Susan Burton, founder and executive director of A New Way of Life, and Pastor uh, Joe Hamilton, who is the founder executive director of the uh, Martin House. Um, and uh, also uh, today we were joined by uh, Gilbert Johnson, uh, who is with uh, Californians for Safety and Justice. We want to just thank you uh, for joining us today.
you know, for this uh, conversation around beyond uh, mass incarceration. I want to also thank our uh, co-sponsors, Community Health Councils, uh, as well as uh, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, Southern California, as well as the Martin House, you know, for uh, this uh, opportunity. want to give a shout out to our uh, supervisor, Holly Mitchell, uh, who together with uh, Supervisor Hilda Solis, you know, uh, sponsored, you know, uh, the legislation for uh, Reentry Week. And we know this is, you know, the continuation uh, of the courageous uh, and compassionate work of so many people and glad that we were able uh, to be uh, a, a stream into this river uh, of uh, transformation. Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, just uh, to close out, you know, it is not ironic that we are meeting on, you know, a, a South African Freedom Day or South African Independence Day, uh, thinking of, you know, uh, uh, President Nelson Mandela and uh, one of our co-sponsors, you know, is you know, the Southern Christian Leaders uh, uh, Conference, who is, you know, was founded by, you know, uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, and the folk, you know, uh, who are on uh, uh, this uh, uh, Faith Without Borders are all people of faith. Those two men, you know, uh, they've been uh, uh, affected by incarceration. You know, uh, uh, of course, you know, uh, Nelson Mandela, 27 years, King, several times. Uh, and their writings, you know, uh, continue to be an inspiration and an instruction for all of us, uh, especially the letter from Birmingham Jail, you know, mm -hmm. of uh, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., where he talks about that we are all inextricably connected, you know, in a single garment of destiny. So that sense of intersectionality uh, and intentionality is key around, you know, uh, how, you know, we respond to this society of carcerality called the United States of America. We shall overcome, we must overcome, if we are to reach beloved community. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today. This has been Faith Without Borders. Uh, I'm your host, Pastor Calvin Sauls. Let's continue to keep on keeping on, because freedom is a constant struggle.